Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Hope everyone had a uh, great holiday season. Um, on Tuesday, uh, Barbara and I had a uh, that was a really good ten minute plug for Winged Aliens, but without the author. Uh, tonight we actually have the author. Um, you know, we'll find out if the snow melted or Rudolph a flying husky, some other type of flying humanoid, uh, maybe even an E.T. Uh, took Margie to a warm place so she could call into the show. Um, yeah, so we have Margie Kay with us tonight. Hi, hi Margie. How are you? Hi. I'm doing great. Good. Uh, I'm not snowed okay. in anymore. Okay, yeah. How, how how bad was the story? Yeah, you know, we were uh, like, yeah, Margie's, you know, like uh, uh, big name in uh, paranormal studies. You know, she's pro- professional with her own uh, network and show media personality. Yeah, you know, she's pro- professional, and you know, something happened. You know, there's like all kinds of you know tornadoes in the south and the blizzards in the uh new england uh it, what what was going on in missouri well what what we got in kansas city was six inches of snow dumped on us all at once and uh wow. we with no snow plows moving any snow on tuesday uh stuck at home power went out my phone died Thank goodness we have a wood stove to keep the house uh-huh. warm, which saved us. Um, you know, and in that way, I, th- that's how I was prepared. But I wasn't, you know, I, I couldn't get to my office. I couldn't make a phone call. It was terrible. Like being cut off from civilization. <laughs> okay. But well, I'm we're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, we are glad uh, you are here with us uh Tonight, and you're, you're actually making your debut on uh, Nightlight, so you know we're glad about that too. Um, okay, let's get some of the other uh, stuff out of the way. Like uh, you're an assistant state director of MUFON for Missouri, and uh, you have a Friday night podcast on the UnX Network. Um, so you were on coast to coast last last week, so um, you should <clears> that <throat> should have been good prep for you know hitting the big time tonight. So oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, your most recent book is Winged Aliens, and <clears throat> for the uh, you know few listeners who heard uh, Tuesday, you know, the ten minutes on Tuesday night, um, you know, we gave it uh, glowing reviews. Um, <clears throat> I, mean, um, I, I, I think it's a comprehensive book of a uh, phenomenon. You know, we, we, you know, we've covered you know, a few times. It confirms what other researchers you know, concluded, but you're, you're also taking us into other uh, you know, directions. In, and I think that's actually interesting. You know, just having like you on uh, you know, other people. Uh, you know, you know, we've all you know, like you know, Keel or so, so, someone like that, where um, people don't know each other. I you know, arrive at the same conclusions. Uh, you know, what are things that uh, later researchers may pick up? Uh, um, you know, is there some kind of evolution in the story? I, I think that's one of the uh, things that really captivates me about uh, cryptid studies, and I, I, you know, I just think what you put together uh, for wing cryptids, and you know, we'll get into the maps and all the photos. Uh, I think you have a uh, fascinating book. That's um, my uh, five stars. So um, maybe maybe we could start off with a a, a little bit about the uh, Van Meter visitor, and part two could be uh, the second question could be uh, you know what's one of your favorite stories. Well, the Van Meter Visitor is one of my favorite stories and one of the most bizarre, which, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's actually still going on today. Um, What happened was this um, little town, Van Meter, Iowa, there were sightings of a creature that was described as a half man and half animal with large bat-like wings. It also had something on its head that shot out beams of light or mm-hmm. or like lightning or like electricity, something like that. And it also emitted a horrid foul aroma. So from October in October of nineteen oh three for a week, this little town in Iowa was was terrorized by this thing. The uh first encounter happened at uh, 1 a.m. by a man named U.G. Griffith. He thought a burglar was on top of one of the rooftops of a downtown building, so he went to check that out, and as he approached, this creature jumped to another rooftop across the street. So that's a long jump, and then it disappeared. The distance would have been impossible for a man to reach. So, of course, he's talking about it was town folk, and people are keeping an eye out for whatever this is. Then the second encounter occurred the next day at 1 a.m. again when a Dr. Alcott woke up with a bright light shining in his window. This doctor grabbed his gun. He ran outside to find out whatever this was, and then he found a tall, bipedal, humanoid creature with bat-like wings. Boy, does that sound familiar? Uh Uh-huh. The source of the light was coming from a blunt horn in the creature's forehead. He opened fire with his gun, but the five shots had absolutely no effect on the creature, so he retreated back inside his building for safety. I guess I would have done the same thing. Then a third encounter occurred the next night at 1 a.m. when Clarence Dunn, the local banker, had a run-in with the creature at the bank where he was spending the night to protect it from the what they called the burglar or the creature. 
he saw a bright beam of light shine inside the window, and he moved from side to side until it focused on Mr. Dunn. He then fired his shotgun through the window, but the light simply disappeared. And the next morning, they found three-toed footprints in the ground, and they made plaster casts of them, which later disappeared. So later that evening, another encounter occurred at the Van Meter hardware store, where the owner awoke to a metallic rasping sound outside his room on the second floor. He went to the window. He saw a creature sitting on a telephone pole in the rain. He fired and shot the creature, which remained unfazed, but he released a horrible smell that knocked the man unconscious. That must have been a bad smell. Uh Um, So his neighbor woke up to the noise. He saw the creature coming down the telephone pole, and he said it looked like uh, something like a parrot using its beak to move around. After it got to the ground, the creature stood up, and Mr. Gregg could see that it appeared to be at least eight feet tall. Now, that sounds familiar. The creature then mm-hmm. again shone the bright light from its forehead to look around and then headed to the coal mine. So what they ended up doing was uh, following uh, this creature to the coal mine. They could hear weird sounds coming from it. And also, some people saw a second creature, a smaller one, with this one. They knew that it was inside, so what they did was seal up the entrance to the mine, trapping this creature inside, and they left that thing sealed up for many, many years, and they just only in the last few years opened it back up, and uh, they didn't find anything in there. But other people have seen this, this humanoid creature with wings, in the area since. And Van Meter now hosts the Van Meter Visitor Festival every year. And that's something that I am definitely going to go to uh, myself this year. The, um, and, and then according to Chad Lewis, who's a local and a writer, he said a huge bat-like creature has been seen in the area in recent years. So this is one of the craziest cases. And, of course, there's some newspaper articles and drawings in the newspaper articles to back this up. So something happened there. uh, I've uh, met Chad a couple times, you know, had dinner with him, uh, you know, one of the times, uh, ah. But yeah, the first first time I I met him I was like oh it's like uh, yeah I'd really like to ha- have you as a guest to cover uh, you know the Van Meter book and then he's like oh but hey, I'm about ready to have you know like Wendigo or uh, something come out and I was like uh, you know he 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 has so many interesting books coming out on you know such a regular basis is. Is I, I you know I want to go back to yeah the Van Meter uh, uh, book uh, but you know he he wants to promote his latest book so I you know we have to do something get him him on the show but it, it just, he, yeah. he's uh, a very nice guy you know uh, thorough researcher <laughs> I I, re- I really yeah uh, you know, I, you know, I think. Uh, you know the uh he you know, he's you know a uh he and Kevin Nelson are some of the regular speakers at the Mothman festival and um yeah I think he's a uh a big hit there as well so it, <laughs> um you know I'll have to work on uh get, getting him as a guest but it, it, it you know when yeah you, know, you were saying oh, you know don't don't that sound familiar i uh you know there's like a little over sixty years that separates van meter from the mothman um mm-hmm. could are we dealing with uh, like the same species or you know variation you know, uh we could uh you know 
what do you call it, like different gene, uh, genus, uh, you know, uh, or, and, and then you also said that there was a smaller one <clears throat> um, during the last appearance of the Van Meter uh, visitor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, was there, does it seem like there could be a, a family that was living in the uh, coal mine or in the area? Well, you, you know, know, it's hard to believe that there would be uh, one creature alone. Where did it come from? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a family involved somewhere, or maybe that one was a juvenile with the mother or something. I don't know. Uh, but I do have a theory about um, just excluding this particular one uh, with the Van Meter visitor. If we take a look at the Point Pleasant sightings in the 60s uh-huh. and then follow the rivers over to Chicago, then the next big splurge of sightings was in Chicago and uh-huh. then we have um, we have sightings coming down into Illinois. We follow the rivers down again, and there's quite a few in Illinois, several in the St. Louis area, and then following going east, which seemed to follow, I mean west, seemed to follow a timeline following the Missouri River over to Kansas City. And then Kansas City had... Starting in about the year 2000, uh, there were a few, and then a little later, right around 2011, I started getting in a lot of reports, and then, you know, more current ones, and those have continued to today. So I just theorized that there was a colony in the Point Pleasant, West Virginia area, and then it grew, and they just moved this way, this direction. And then, of course, the colonies are getting bigger in, in each of these areas, and that's why there's more sightings now. Yeah, I thought that was, well, uh, while we're you know, talking about it now, you might as well bring up how helpful the maps are that you include in um, Winged Aliens. Um you know, you, you have, uh, you know, clusters, you know, like the, the solo sightings. Um, you know, it, it makes one wonder about some kind of, uh, you know, migration. Mm-hmm. Um, I. It, it's. I I wonder about that too with Point Pleasant. I, the it's not very densely populated. Uh, you have food sources if uh, you know they are uh, you know like eat you know would prefer to eat fish. Um, who knows what's in all the uh caves or something in the hills you know, we don't have even have to get into the TNT area but there's uh abundant <clears throat> wildlife in the Point Pleasant or you know, Mason County area uh where maybe something could live somewhat undisturbed and there's a food supply uh, food and water supply so sure. It is yeah you do bring up uh, topics like that, but uh, you know are, uh, I have I've, I've never been to uh, Missouri, but are the you know parks that you mentioned are they kind of set up or um, you know the rivers running through parks or you know, hills? Uh, you, you, Oh yeah, or, or, yeah. Uh, I, I okay, say, I, it's different than you know, uh, you know, mall sprawl or something like that. Right, right. Okay. Uh, 
the most of these sightings that I have on the map, uh, which is a it's a Google My Map that I've created, and I keep updating that by the way. So if people want to see it, it's at margiek.com. And um, I'm also looking for other reports, but in most of these cases, it's an area where there's a lot of uh, forest, a water supply, either a river or a stream or a lake. Some cases a lake. And it it might be in a, a city area, but it's they're always going to be very close to or right in a big park, something like that, like Swope Park in Kansas City is huge. And it is uh it, it's got everything. It's got several water sources, it's got woods, it's got fields, and you'd never know that you're right in the middle of a busy city there but we've had a lot of sightings right around soap park so you know and then in looking at the map i'm it's pretty much the same it's either in a very rural area in the middle of a forest or in a conservation area or in a place in a city that is you know that's got food sources etc okay and margie you uh, you know, I guess maybe I could combine a couple of of, of my questions into uh, some some kind of statement. But uh, you know, so, some witnesses reported to you that uh, you know they saw something standing in uh, the uh, creek or river or at the uh, Park, um, so that's could be you know one of the clusters or uh, solo sightings. But you know uh, people are contacting you to uh, um, report animal behaviors, uh, you know where they don't know they're being observed. Uh, That's the impression I got. Uh, But when people are, you know, since you are a MUFON uh, uh, you know, director, you know, you get a you know, e- email or Facebook message, you know, you know whatever uh, phone call. Um, how do you go about? Interviewing and researching these uh, sightings and making a determination of, you know, this sounds like uh, a totally legit sighting. Uh, This one uh, seems like a just another uh, blurry photo that is. Supposedly Bigfoot. You know, you know how, how do you go about dealing with the eyewitnesses? Well, first of all, I don't investigate this type of thing under MUFON, even though I'm okay. MUFON's assistant state director. Uh, we cannot investigate anything other than UFOs under MUFON. So I do it under my Quest Investigation Group, which I've had since 1992. We have a number of very highly skilled, qualified people in the group. But what I would do is the same thing I would do in any type of investigation. Uh, Try to meet with the witness. If not, talk to them on the phone, not just email. Get all the details about what they saw. And if there's more than one witness, what I like to do is separate them and have them in different rooms and draw what they saw. Because in I think nearly all cases, no one got a photo or video. Now, there are a few out there, but most people don't because they are in such shock at what they're seeing that they can't believe it, and they don't think to grab their phone. And honestly, I have done the same thing when I've seen something bizarre. I've had the phone right next to me and not even thought to pick it up. So so that is understandable. That's just a natural human behavior. So you want, do want to try to get to speak with the people immediately after their sighting 
so they don't forget things because people just forget. They will. They can they can write something down in their journal and then a year later go back and look at it and just say, I don't remember writing that down. I've done it myself. So I suggest uh, writing everything down at, immediately after seeing with as much detail as you can possibly give, you know, date, time, location, what the weather's like, um, you know, if there was any inclement weather, if there are other witnesses, all of that. And then you compile that, put it together. And if the witness seems credible, you you basically have to take them at their word because, look, most of these people don't want any publicity. They just want to tell somebody what they saw. And you can uh-huh. tell by the tone of their voice. Um, I'm a also a licensed private investigator, so I've had training in uh, hearing people talk and seeing their mannerisms, etc. And when they are genuine, their voice will shake. They'll they might actually physically shake when they're talking about it because they're being brought back to this event, and you can uh-huh. tell they're telling the truth about what they saw. Uh, but they just want to talk to somebody, tell someone what they saw, and then go on, and they don't want the public to know about it. I I I think the um, original the Scarberry uh, you know reports from the Mothman um, you know uh, first sighting. Um, They, you can see, you know, the letters in the museum, and you know, read it in uh, you know, Jeff Walmsley's uh, books. But it, you know, the uh, behaviors that you're describing seem like they're very similar to uh, one of the first uh, kind of like documented cases of where someone's just. Uh, uh, Trying to get escape the situation, they get to the police uh, department, and it, it, it seems like the uh, police believe something you know happened just by their behaviors, like you know, what you're talking about. That that seems to be you know the the, the human pattern of um, a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. And and, and 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 okay, so you know the scar, scarberries, and you know what uh, people you know people you're encountering are separated by fifty some year, fifty five years or so. It's the same. Same behavioral pattern. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't want to keep uh, going to other <laughs> other rants on, on that, but I, I'm you know really intrigued by that. You know, uh, maybe we can do that again some other time. But um, okay. When you know people happen to have a sighting on a walk through the woods, like in uh, Metropolitan Park, um, you know when you plot where the sighting uh, took place. the, some of the descriptions that you've been given, uh, it, it seems like these creatures ha- have an effect on the other uh, animals in the area, and you, know, you also work in um, the possibility that these sightings are occurring on ley lines. So can, 
could you, you know, explain a little bit about you know the ley lines and the um, um, how the other animals respond to the uh, unexplained phenomenon that was just witnessed? Yeah. Okay. Well, with uh, Mothman sighting or pterodactyl or Sasquatch, whatever it is, when something like that is around, the other animals go silent. And that's mm-hmm. just really typical uh, for for that to happen. And that's one of the first things that people will notice, that there's no bugs uh, making noises there's and uh, no birds, nothing. They just stop. And they they kind of wonder what that silence is, and then they see the creature. Um, huh. And so, it's like so a, that's uh, real uh, common. Uh, that's just the it, behavior. It's like a, it, it, it's like a pre, the silence is like a precursor, the appearance. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the animals, animals, I believe, have a sixth sense, and they can feel energy and see things and see and hear things that we can't. So they've got to be picking up some type of a signal or an energy, uh, a shift that's nearby, and they know they should be quiet and not, you know, because they could be prey, <laughs> I'm sure, uh-huh. or whatever this is. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're just, they just go silent. Now, about the ley lines. Ley lines are lines of energy that are around the world, They've been documented for thousands of years, and a lot of, if not most, of the world's monuments, energy centers, such as Stonehenge, um, all of the um, stone circles in the U.K., some stone circles here in the U.S., and um, other places are sitting on ley lines, and then there's something else involved with this too that I've found with latitude and longitude. And that is wherever there's an intersection of latitude and longitude. And I believe they act like ley lines as well. There's some type of energy that some force that's going with these. Um, When there's an intersection, it's a power center. It creates, I believe a vortex and So a lot of these sightings of strange things, including UFO sightings and and everything else, um, appear in clusters at these areas. So I first noticed it at 37 degrees latitude and 94 degrees longitude, and then then 38 degrees and then 39 degrees, which is Kansas City. And I really, my my first investigation started in Kansas City and I noticed a lot of strange things happening at 39 degrees so I followed that line you know across the state and then I picked up other you know sighting reports and one of the things uh-huh. I'm going to do with this map that I mentioned earlier um, that's the winged creatures there's going to be an overlay map that I've already started but it's not done there's going to be one on Sasquatch sightings and also one on UFO sightings. So we're going to compare. It's going to be very interesting to see where these clusters of sightings are, and I'll bet you anything they're going to be at those intersections of latitude and longitude. Oh, okay. Uh, sounds uh, intriguing uh, to to get your conclusions on it. So uh, besides the flying humanoids, crypt, you know, flying cryptid uh, type creatures, uh, there might also, uh, there's also going to be evidence of uh, Bigfoot, maybe UFOs. So mm-hmm. you're, you're getting a little bit of everything. Yeah, because a lot of my cases have involved all of those things, believe it or not. And uh, it's just way too coincidental for this to be a case where it's just um, an individual thing. 
there's I think there's a portal connection. I think it's an interdimensional thing that these creatures come in and out of dimensions along with their UFO companions. And so that's why I made the connection between aliens and these creatures and that these creatures could possibly be aliens that are interdimensional. Because nobody has ever found a body. Right. You know, uh, of course, in the 1800s, they may have found a couple of pterodactyls, and that could be a, a, a separate issue, you know, or it could be the same issue I, with an interdimensional thing and a time thing, uh, time slip perhaps. Nobody's found, uh-huh. other than those two, uh, bodies of pterodactyls. And uh, the same thing with these wing creatures. Nobody captured the Van Meter visitors. Uh, nobody captured any uh, mothmen at any time. Plenty of people have seen them, and then they're just gone. Where are their families? Where are uh-huh. their craft that they were in? You know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, very valid points to uh, bring up. Uh, so, um. Okay, if you're, I still wonder about if there are surviving pterodactyls that uh, aren't as large as the you know, couple photos you have in your book. Uh, you know, there might be like some kind of de-evolution going on uh, at this late stage in the game with. Uh, dinosaurs, but um, I, th- I think that one, it, pterodactyls uh, could could be a possibility. But um, with the eyewitnesses who have seen these um, creatures, you know, you know, they contact you. Um. Yeah, they're saying you know the uh, wingspan was pretty huge. Um, you work in okay. What you know, what are some of the largest birds that could be in the area? What are you know the largest you know, birds you know with the you know, biggest wingspan in America? Um, okay, so how does introducing uh, an obvious living animal uh, contrast with what people come to you with twenty uh, <clears throat> foot wingspan. Um, what do you what are you thinking with that kind of information presented to you? Well, in my research, I contacted the Missouri Department of Conservation, and I asked about what is the largest bird, and they said it would be a bald eagle at about 80 inches, just shy of seven feet, and that, you know, a bald eagle, you're going to recognize. That's obvious what it is. Uh Nobody has ever described a bird with a white head. They have described completely all black birds that are gigantic that look like they have feathers or they look like they have bat wings with partial feathers. But in most cases, it's uh, bat-like wings and all black. Uh, the, of course, the condor, it's the largest known bird in North America, and that measures up to nine and a half feet. Well, that doesn't explain a, a 20-foot uh, bird sighting or a 36-foot wingspan in a few cases where they said it was the size of a small plane or bigger than a small plane. In one case we had, there was a plane flying overhead that was a small engine plane, and uh, the the witness looked up and she saw a gigantic bird flying above it that was as big or bigger than the plane was. 
Huh. So, no. And then where I, do they go? Why They're so gigantic. Why aren't they easy to find? Why aren't they in the woods when you go look for them? No, they've got to be dis- they've got to be disappearing somewhere. And they've got to be phasing out, walking into a portal, and going into another dimension. That's my theory. Okay, uh, it makes sense. Uh, where are the bodies? Yeah. Um, Especially in the case of pterodactyls. Oh my gosh, I've talked to so many people who are credible, and they. And when they talk about it, they it's like they're reliving it again and say it couldn't be anything other than a pterodactyl. Well, where is it? <laughs> you know? Uh, the, 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 it's not here. Uh, the, the time slip that you referenced earlier in the show was a very interesting possibility. Yes. Uh, definitely, uh, especially with the pterodactyls, there's got to be some type of a time anomaly that is occurring. Because I think what people are seeing looks solid. They don't say it looks like it's transparent. They say it looks like a living creature. It's solid. <clears throat> In some cases, they can hear the wings flap. So, you know, that's that's some evidence there. And then where do they go? They, in some cases, they just disappear in front of their eyes. Um, in some other cases, there's a flash of light. And uh, oddly enough, when I was writing this book and I was trying to figure out, I was just sitting on my back deck and I was thinking, how do these creatures come into sight and then disappear? Where do they go? And I just thought that to myself when I saw this flash of light to my left and it was like this little round circle flash of light. Something flew out of it and what it looked like was a fairy about six inches tall and it was gold, completely gold. It was glowing gold. It was a humanoid body with wings and it flew across my deck. Another flash of light occurred, this this you know round circle opened up it flew into it disappeared and and the uh, little opening closed it was like you've got to be kidding me some somebody heard me thinking this and said okay i'm going to show her how this works portal opening comes into our dimension and then disappears yeah i wouldn't have believed it if anybody had told me that but uh yeah it happened okay so 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 that's your personal sighting so do you have any idea why uh you were chosen to witness this uh demonstration uh, you know, j- just to prove to you that you know, they knew something about you you'd write about it Honestly, I don't know, but so many strange things have happened to me in my life uh, that involve thinking about wanting to know something and then the answer comes to me in some fashion. Uh, you know, I don't know. Is it my higher self looking out? Or is Am I sending a telepathic message to another dimension and they say, okay, we're going to show you? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. So, um, you, know, you know, you have. Uh, it, it, do you want to get into the uh, uh, butterfly people as well? Since we're kind of talking about fairies, or is that? Yeah, we so can I, talk I, about I, butterfly people. I, okay. Yeah, I, I just don't want to give away you know, the whole book, but you know, I just it, it there there's. You know, kind of going from like, you know, pterodactyls to uh, Tinkerbell. What? Uh, you know, you're kind of covering a little bit of everything. Yeah, I had to put I had to put that in there because it's a winged creature and it's interdimensional. Yeah. So yeah, uh, but the butterfly people is a whole different thing. Uh, 
In May of uh, 2011, there was an F5 tornado that hit Joplin. Now, the weird part about this, which I didn't put in the book, is that when I was watching the news, um, there was a lot of coverage of it, and there, the tornado started in Oklahoma, I think, and they were headed towards Missouri. And I just knew, I was picking up psychically, that this was not something natural, that somebody had done something to enhance the power of these tornadoes. And I, I told my husband, I said, Joplin's in for it. I just know it. This is going to be bad. Well, we're watching the news, and uh, sure enough, the they got you know video of the tornadoes coming in, and oddly, in the videos you can see UFOs around the tornadoes going into them and coming out of them. Now, what they were doing there, I don't know, but it could have something to do with the butterfly people, and this is really odd, but. A number of people witnessed what they call butterfly people during the tornado. The witnesses were many, and they and their parents believed that these creatures saved their lives since they were in situations that were not survivable. So every one of these people I'm talking about uh, had a situation that you would think they would not survive. So everything around them would be destroyed there, around their in their houses or in they were in their cars or if they were outside um some of the reports were of tiny fairy-like people with wings some of the people saw white lights but others reported seeing human or larger than human-sized winged people but in nearly all of these cases these children called them the butterfly people uh people the hospital started noticing this, where they would have the children in there, and the child would say, the butterfly people saved us. So if the child was with the family, they were around, the whole family was saved. Um, and these were in, coming from different hospitals. People started talking and saying, how in the world could all of these children have known each other and made this big plan to, to call these creatures the butterfly people? And, you know, it was impossible. Okay, so they're yeah, so, you know, you know, we're all back to what you said earlier uh, is the, you know the, the multiple eyewitnesses are uh, in, in, interrogated by the uh, authorities in se- separate rooms, but the stories all come out the same. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Only this is hundreds of people having this happen. Mm-hmm. And in in most of the cases, there was a child involved and a family. The family did not see these butterfly people, only the youngest child. So, you know, three, four, five, six years old, seven years old, whatever, the youngest child would have seen them and know that they would be okay. And they were. And this made such an impact on the town that they created a mural at the intersection of Main and 15th Street. Uh, Mr. Dave Lowenstein is, uh, was the lead muralist on that, and it included artwork from local children depicting the people with wings and butterflies. And there's, I went there in 2018 and looked at that mural, and it was just spooky. I got a, just this weird feeling looking at that. Uh, so... Whatever they were, those butterfly people helped people during a horrible disaster and saved lives. Kind of like the Mothman, who makes appearances sometimes right before disasters. It's a strange coincidence. mm -hmm. Uh, And you you were just talking about recently done murals and you know the, uh, yeah it's just uh, local somewhat local for you is the uh, piazza thunderbird that was uh painted on a high river uh cliff so you know you're also covering uh, a lot of the uh native 
uh, uh, folklore and uh, traditions. Yeah, um, I went back to 1673 when uh, Marquette and Joliet visited uh-huh. Alton, Illinois, and this is way across the state of Missouri for me, uh, past St. Louis into Alton. And, of course, it's right next to the Mississippi River. And in that story, uh, Marquette had uh, spoken to the Illini people, the native tribe there. They told them a story about a gigantic uh, – they, they saw this picture, that uh, this drawing on painted rocks of this gigantic bird. It looked horrible. It had scales on it and a long tail, kind of bizarre. Uh, they, they, the Illini people called the creature the Piasaw, which means bird that devours men. And the story is that that bird, which was gigantic, would fly down and grab people and take them back to its uh, cave up in the way up high in the bluffs and eat them. And um, Marquette, he was told that it was as large as a calf with horns like a roebuck, red eyes, a beard like a tiger, and a frightful countenance. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it it, it sounds horrible. From the 16th, later 1600s, is that right? Early. This was, um, he was there in 1673, but that drawing had been there for quite some time Mm -hmm. before that. So it's for uh, yeah uh, you know we we try to avoid math as often as possible on nightlight, but you know we're going back what four hundred some for at least four hundred some years, and. yeah, you, do, well, you don't have, have too many. Okay, uh, you don't have uh, too many white guys in the uh, country at that time. So, how long have these legends been around? And then and, and, you know, you can always go back to you know the uh, you know what people uh, incorporate the chief cornstalk legend about you know cursing the land with you know some kind of creature. Mm-hmm. It's well, almost like the same kind of story, uh, a large animal lingering within the folklore. Well, look at the Thunderbirds stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People people think they're myths. I'm not so sure. Some of these drawings, like for instance, uh, there's a park in Missouri where um, the Cahokia people carved rocks at Washington State Park which is about 60 miles southwest of the Piasaw image. It's near DeSoto, Missouri, and it's open to the public. Uh, this carving was done around 1250 A.D. Oh, okay. Okay. It's going back, so, going back pretty um, far. Yeah, that's pretty far back. Yeah. these And, and the Thunderbird, oddly, the Thunderbird can be found in Native American traditions across the U.S. and Canada and Central America. And it's just hard to believe that each one of these tribes would have a, a similar look when they draw or carve the Thunderbird. So I, I really think there is something to this, something have, you know being around for quite some time. There's something very large, and the Thunderbird is a whole nother. That's uh, that's another category in itself. This thing, that's quite a, kind of bizarre. Um, when it flaps its wings, it makes a thunder sound. Supposedly, uh-huh. that's what it does, and emits a beam of light or lightning from its forehead. Well, okay. that sounds like the Van Meter Visitor, right? So is the Thunderbird and the Van Meter Visitor and the Mothman, is that the same thing, possibly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's, that's one of the topics that it, it just keeps pulling me more into 
uh, cryptids. It, it, it's j- just a fascinating uh, study, and you know, really good writers like you and Chad can uh, just take the the topic into so many different directions and uh, you know co- cover all the possibilities and. It, 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 it's just one of those things that modern science can't explain, but we have some evidence surviving in 800-year-old uh, you know, uh, petroglyphs or, or artwork. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is, they've been around a long time. And at least in the Piasaw case, that is a creature that is a living creature because it was eating human beings. But in the other cases, I I really think that they're interdimensional. I think you're uh, making convincing cases uh, for both stories. Um, I know you uh, have to leave uh for a uh, business in in the morning and um you know you know we're just kind of wanted to do about an hour show but you know Margie you're always welcome to uh come back and continue the discussion but uh is there uh you know another topic you want to cover you know you have you know really interesting career working with the uh police and Solving homicides. Our audience enjoys the um, uh, profiling. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I guess is there uh, yeah, something other than that you wanted to touch on in the next uh, a few minutes? Then I'll let you get well, ready for I to take off. If I did that, <laughs> we would be off uh, to the races. So, um, but I, you know, sometime I would. I think you would find it interesting um, about my remote viewing and how I uh-huh. was able to get that and how I've used it in uh, solving police cases, homicides, missing persons, things like that. And also I, I do investigations using it as well. So I, I think you might like that. Yeah, I think your audience would like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure they would. Um, and uh, – uh, okay, you know, maybe do uh, t- since we have been talking about winged humanoids, uh, you had a sighting of uh, Archangel Michael. What was that? Oh, well, that's a whole story. Whole yeah, another story. Okay. Yeah, that's a yeah. Um, okay. Well, I wouldn't put the, that in the winged aliens. No, I would put that in an angelic category. Okay. Well, it's, you know, just they, it depends on who's depicting. You, know, you get, you know, Leonardo and Raphael's uh, pooty and interesting angels with uh, wings. Yeah, it's, but you know, you know. We'll, uh, touch on that another time, but um, yeah. Uh, uh, since we're we've been uh, talking about some of the parks, um, there is one. Uh, is a, a local park that has a L. Frank Baum connection. Oh, uh, that's in Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. No, he was there yeah. uh, for the. World's uh, eight, uh, 1893 World's Fair, is it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Tesla yeah, was well, there. Yeah, well, of he wrote The Wizard yeah. of Oz. Mother mm-hmm. um, Goose. Uh, yeah, Bill Kusilos could really speak to that. But what I know about it is that there's a park in Chicago, there's uh, L. Frank Baum was he would hang out in that park and he would look out at it and that's where he wrote the wizard of oz and then there's this weird connection with flying creatures winged creatures winged humanoids 
around the park area that have been seen in recent years. And Bill makes the connection to the flying monkeys in the Wizard of Oz. And so we wonder if Frank Baum didn't happen to see some of these winged creatures and it gave him the idea. Okay. Well, I always wondered if when uh, Frank was at the World's Fair and uh, Tesla had a display uh, that year, I, I was just wondering if, like, one of Tesla's electrical gadgets um, was you know, kind of like the basis for the uh, uh, scary figure in the movie, uh, the Wizard of Oz movie that was uh, being caused by the you know, man behind oh, the curtain. Yeah. I, 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 I've always oh. wondered about that. Um, I I can't prove it. You know, even though I've had uh, Frank's great great uh, grandson as a guest. Um, oh no, I, I didn't. I, I I I don't know if we could prove that, but I I just wonder. And, and it's like you, you know, you and Bill were talking about the same same kind of thing. I, it, there's the suggestion, but you can't get that one you know, little bit of evidence that conclusively proves it. But I, yeah. I don't, that that's really interesting. Yeah, it makes you wonder if there isn't a notebook somewhere with some notes in yep. it that would tell a lot. Yeah, but there yeah, I can see the connection. Absolutely. Yeah, he, I'll have to remote yeah, he, view that. Well, you know, uh, Barbara, yeah. Barbara does that too. It's, uh, you know, have to have both of you do like some kind of remote viewing show. Mm-hmm. Or you, guys can, you two can take turns. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah keep, keep me posted on the, on the, that one. That um, you know, that sounds sounds like a, a fascinating topic to uh, delve into with a, a r- remote viewing but um yeah do, yeah do, margie do you uh, need to get ready to r- wrap up so you can uh get a good night's sleep before yeah. you you yeah. depart on your journey i i do i need to go home pack and get ready to leave tomorrow but okay. uh thank you for having me on i appreciate it we appreciate you uh, not, uh, you know, a- ending up being like uh, Jack Torrance at the end of The Shining, and you, know, you-, you were able to make it to the show, you know, a couple of days late, but it, it was uh, <laughs> a fantastic discussion. Yeah, I, that was. It kind of, it kind of was like The Shining, actually, <laughs> because the snow has now turned to ice. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping I get home without falling on my way to the car, and then getting home without having a wreck. So okay, you know, we'll send positive vibes that you you know your you know the rest of your journey goes goes well. But uh, you know, Margie, we'll uh, be in touch. We're gonna have to do more of your uh, uh, books, and you know, just have you come on to get uh, weird with us uh, sometime and. Talk remote viewing and uh, profiling and all your uh, work with the police. It sounds fascinating. Okay, that sounds good. And all, right. uh, all my info is on my website, margiek.com, if anybody's interested. All right. Terrific. Thank you so much, uh, Margie, for being a guest. I really did enjoy your. Uh, book and I, I'm you know, just glad that uh, we were able to uh, reschedule from Tuesday. But you know, I think you know the few people who uh, tuned in for those ten minutes knew that you know it's like yeah, you know, this is, it, it does sound like a really neat book. And it, 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 I think after hearing you discuss it, um, yeah, they, I think. 
that they will really end have an eye-opening experience reading you know, your thorough research about this phenomenon. Well, thank you. So, I appreciate it. All right. Well, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Well, um, you know, Barbara's going to be back uh, at some point with some good guest, and I'm kind of working on uh, some other interesting topics and just waiting to hear from uh, some, some people. Uh, we you know, got some paranormal topics co- uh, coming up. We're just trying to find a place to uh, put them in uh, into the schedule. But um, you know, just keep checking you know, dot com for uh, you know, uh, updates to the shows. And uh, Margie, th- thanks again, and we will see everyone uh, soon.